Sports, Locked On Blackhawks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jay Zawoski with you here. Hawks lose 4-2 to to the San Jose Sharks. And look, if you didn't watch the game, probably say, all right, that's not too bad. It was awful. We're going to get into it as we always do. We'll do the pluses and minuses. We'll go down to number line. Uh, first, want to tell you, of course, how to get in touch with the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Blackhawks. Follow my personal account at jzawoski670. You can also follow my Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast there at Madhouse Pod. Email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. And I got a lot, a lot of emails and a lot of voicemails during the game on Tuesday night. So keep those coming. Voicemail 708-653-0572, 708-653-0572. There's not a lot good to say about this game. The Hawks are coming in. If you listen to yesterday's podcast, I previewed how poorly things have been going for the San Jose Sharks. Losing five in a row. They've got a team save percentage under 89%. This is a team that was reeling. This was a team that was prime to get beaten by the Blackhawks. And the Hawks came out and absolutely sucked in this game. There's no other way to say it. They sucked. Yeah, they added two late goals. Saad scored with just over three minutes left. Keith scored with just over two minutes left. But it's too late. Through two periods, the Hawks were outshot 26-8. to eight. Let that sink in. 26-8 to eight to the worst team by record in the Western Conference. A team that had lost... Five games in a row. You were outshot 26 to 8 in the first two periods. All of a sudden, the Hawks find life in the third because they have to. They don't have a choice. If they're going to try to get back in the game, they've got to compete. They've got to do something. But my God, I'm ready. I'm ready for big changes. I like Jeremy Colleton. Seems like a good guy. Seems like a smart guy. It's not working. This crap is not working. This system, whatever it is, is not working. You cannot have a slow, non-physical team be a dump and chase team. That doesn't work. If you're slow and physical, You dump it in, you send someone in there to wreck the guy and knock him off the puck and win the puck that way. They don't chase hard. They don't forecheck. The passes they make are inaccurate. They're slow. This system is not correct for this roster. There's no way that the players on this team, this roster, is as bad as they're playing. They, the San Jose Sharks, looked like the Harlem Globetrotters for 50 minutes of this hockey game. 50 minutes. The San Jose friggin' Sharks skated circles around the Blackhawks. In the first period, the Hawks had two shifts where they had sustained zone time. And that was good. We hadn't seen that from them in a long time, where they had the puck, controlled it, cycled it, kept the Sharks in their zone for an extended period of time. That happened twice in the first period. Neither of those shifts 
resulted in a shot on goal. It's all perimeter. It's all looking for the perfect play. How about in the third period? Dylan Strom is alone in front of Martin Jones and chooses to turn around and dish a little a pass. This team, I don't know what the deal is. Are they thinking too much? Are they not reading and reacting? And I'm going to go back to this piece of tape that I played a couple weeks ago. This is Duncan Keith on the Spittin' Chicklets podcast talking about the difference between Joel Quenville and Jeremy Cowden. This will be a recurring theme on this podcast, so get used to this piece of audio. One of the best things about Joel is that he, for, for myself and for the teams we had, that he, he allowed us to, to play the game and not overthink it, you know, where I think sometimes the way it is now it seems like you gotta every every little situation is already played out for you you know laid out for you how to play it when to me hockey's it's got to be you got to be able to read and react and and think quickly and be natural out there and that's kind of what I appreciated about Joel the most and this is not going to be a lament about the firing of Joel Quenville I do believe it was time for Q to go after a certain amount of years Unless you're Scotty Bowman, or unless you're one of the greats of all time, and Joel is that, but unless you're the greatest of the great, the message wears thin, and you just need to hear something new. But look, if you are trying to figure out what's going on with the Hawks, they look like a team that's thinking too much. They're not reacting. They're not creating. There are creative, skilled players on this team up front and on the blue line. When you see Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves looking lost, looking like they don't know what to do, that's a problem. They are both coming off career seasons. They did not, over the summer, as far as I know, lose all their hockey skills. Something is very, very wrong with this team, and if they fire Jeremy Cowden tomorrow, I would not bat an eye. Because this is ugly. This is terrible. It's one thing to go out and compete and lose. It's another thing to go play the worst team in the Western Conference. That again has lost five games in a row and get embarrassed. And gets circles skated around you. And that's what happened for 50 of the 60 minutes on Tuesday night. I'm sorry. I liked what I saw from Jeremy Cowden last year. The team played at a 100-point pace when the calendar flipped. I've mentioned that dozens of times on this podcast and on the Madhouse podcast. And we thought, okay, now Cowden has an entire offseason to implement his system and to fully get up to speed. Maybe that was the worst thing that could have happened. Because at least last year, it was some sort of hybrid of Quenville and Cowden. And he could only implement a few things as the season went on. Now that it's purely the Cowden system, it's a... I'm trying not to swear. It's a disaster. This is a disaster. This game that happened Tuesday night can not happen to a team with two $10.5 million players who are still in towards the end, but still in the prime of their hockey careers. 
Brandon Saad makes $6 million. Andrew Shaw makes big money. You cannot, when you've got players of that caliber, come out and play a game like that. Something is definitely wrong, and something needs to be done, and quickly. The longer you wait, you just got to cut your losses here. You know what, Jeremy? We gave it a shot. We're not blaming you completely, but it's just not a fit. Sorry. Time to go. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve after watching that Hawks game and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter promo code Locked on. It's Locked on Blackhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. It's Jay Zawoski here. And as we do with every game, it's time to go over the pluses and minuses. We will start with the pluses. The first plus of the game, um, the, uh, I like the, um, hmm. Robin Leonard's pads. Robin Leonard's pads are cool. Now to the minuses. Take your pick of the minuses of this game. This was atrocious. We keep going back to what was the worst game of the year. This was the worst game of the year. This is a really fun thing to do. By the way, November 5th, do you already have a list of worst games of the year? My first minus goes to Jeremy Colleton who has not found an answer, who has not found a way, who has not been willing or able to adapt to make this team more competitive. Maybe his message is lost. Maybe the team's quit on him, and if that's the case, that's on the players. But it's really quick for a coach to get quit on. And as much as it disappoints me that a team that we held in such high regard as such high-character players may have quit on their coach, there's a reason for it. This system is not working. He's not putting his players in the best position to win. And I don't know what's going to change. I don't know what he can do at this point to make it right. Is he just going to all of a sudden tear up his game plan and start fresh? I don't think so. Is Stan Bowman suddenly going to trade a whole bunch of people and and reform and reshape this team? Who are you going to move? Who does anybody want? on this team aside from Kirby Doc and Adam Boquist and you're not trading those guys I don't know the answers here are slim there's not a whole lot you can do Mark Crawford is standing right there that's a guy who has won at the NHL level before I believe he has the respect of the players if you want to slap an interim tag on him until the end of the year go for it I'm ready for a change. Maybe it's a system. Maybe it's a coach. Maybe it's a GM. Maybe it's all three. I'm ready for a change. The second minus of the game goes to Dylan Strom. 20 minutes and 23 seconds of ice time, 18 shifts, 4.05 of power play time, zero shots, zero block shots, zero missed shots. Not a single shot attempt from Dylan Strom. Alex Dabrinkit. 21-31 of ice time, 4.05 on the power play. One shot on goal, no shot attempts that were blocked, no missed shots. One total shot attempt from Alex Dabrinkit. And for the first time in a long time, bad game for Alex Nealander. Minus two, 
10.24 of ice time, including playing on the top line with Jonathan Taves and Brandon Saad. Zero shot attempts across the board. Got to give another minus to the NBC Sportsnet production crew. Uh, as a guy that works in media and works in radio in town, I know that there are challenges in putting together broadcasts, and there are things that go wrong. There are things that are to your control. This entire season, there's been a game clock issue where the horn blows end a period and the game and the clock on the screen is five, six, seven seconds late to the game. This is a pretty basic thing to figure out. I would think if you can't get your computer synced up and you can't get your software synced up, do it the old fashioned way, put a camera on the clock and just superimpose the, the clock time on the graphic. It's been going on for the entire season so far. That's really weird. It seems like a pretty easy thing to fix. So get that together. This is another annoyance as I'm watching the Hawks suck night after night after night. And you know what? Here's something I want to mention too before we get into the numbers. As the Hawks were coming back in this game, when they made it 3-2 late, part of me was like, you know what? No, don't tie the game. Don't get a point out of this. Because then you can look back on it and say like, well, you know, they didn't play great, but they did take, you know, five of the last six available points. That's a good thing. No, the game against LA, they got a point. They sucked in that game. That's a bad team. Anaheim, they sucked for most of that game and got two points out of it. They did not deserve a point out of this game. Probably neither of those last two games either. So part of me was actually glad they did not tie the game and get a point out of this one because they didn't deserve it. And there's ways you can spin in your head if you're a decision maker at the top of this organization where you can say, well, you know, they didn't play great, but they they hit pushed the right buttons at the end and they got, they got results. Bull crap. They've been horrible for most of the season. I'm going to pull down my trusty Blackhawks calendar which I keep in front of me every night so I can look ahead to my schedule and look back on some scores. What are some good games the Blackhawks played this year? I would say the game, their third game of the season, they lost to the Jets in overtime. They played a solid game that day. Next day, they beat the Edmonton Oilers 3-1, to probably their best game of the year. They beat the Blue Jackets 3-2, to their next game there. That was fine. Then a 5-3 loss at the Capitals and a 2-1 shootout loss to the Knights. So I would say those one, two, three, four, five games in a row, the Hawks played pretty well. Since then, they get blitzed by the Flyers. They lose 4 nothing to Carolina. Then they smoke the Kings, 5-1. Then there's the game against Nashville. Yikes. The 4-3 overtime loss to the Kings where they got dominated. The 3-2 win over the Ducks in overtime where they got dominated. And then Tuesday night's loss to the Sharks, 4-2, where they got dominated. So you're looking at, what, five games where you can say the Hawks played well and really deserved to win and, and deserved a better fate, quote-unquote? That's not enough. And if this team has any visions of playoffs, major changes need to happen and happen fast. Let's go down the number line as we do after most games, sometimes we have uh, busier days where there's more to discuss. I can rant and rant and rant about this one 
for hours. That's not going to do anyone any good. But let's go down the number line. These are all courtesy of our friends at Natural Stat Trick. And again, if you don't understand what these terms mean, Corsi, Fenwick, High Danger, Scoring Chances, etc., go to the description of this and every Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, and you will find the link to Natural Stat Trick's glossary of terms so you too can understand. Bottom line, these are scoring chances, uh, shot attempts more more correctly, for and against, and the percentages, how many for and against, you know, based out of 100% of the attempts. So, first period, the Sharks had a 63.64 Corsi for advantage, two high danger scoring chances, four, zero against. Second period, 19 attempts for the Sharks, six shot attempts for the Hawks. That's a 76% Corsi rating in the second for the Sharks. In the third period where the Hawks really came on strong, 12-12, so 50%. By the way, high danger scoring chances in the second period, 6-2 in favor of the Sharks. The third period, the Hawks had a 4-1 advantage in high danger scoring chances for, and that's called score effects. That's a listen for a different day. Let's take a look at some of the individual performances from the Blackhawks today, and oh boy. We mentioned Alex Nylander's tough game. This might be the lowest Corsi rating I've ever seen in my life. 7.69%. I'll say that again. 7.69 Corsi percentage. Alex Nylander was on the ice for one shot attempt, four and 12 against. Again, this is five on five even strength, so it doesn't include special teams. One shot attempt for 12 shot attempts against. When you're looking at just shots, Alex Newlander was not on the ice for an even strength shot. And there were nine against him. We look at his line mates. Jonathan Taves was 33.33%. And Corsi for six attempts for 12 against. Shot attempts. I'm sorry, shots on goal. Two shots on goal, four, ten against with Jonathan Taves on the ice. Brandon Saad, not much better, 38.10% Corsi, eight shot attempts, four, 13 against, shots on goal, four, four, ten against. That's your top line. Just getting housed by one of the worst teams in the National Hockey League. Which players did well? Not many, but Andrew Shaw had a 63.16 Corsi rating. Duncan Keith, who continues to play well and is the one guy who I really see just balling out the entire game. He had 60% Corsi rating, uh, 13 shots for five against with him on the ice. That's really good when you look at the numbers of this game. That's shots, not just shot attempts. With the attempts, it was 18-4-12 against Drake Kajula, with 57.14, and Dominic Kubelik broke even at 50%. Corsi, everybody else was under 40, 48%. Taves, let's see. Kane was 36, Taves 33, Doc was 29, Gustafson 29, Seabrook 25, Mata 21, Debrinka 20. Whew, boy, Strom 19, and again, Alex Nylander 7. Point six nine, zero shot attempts, zero shots for, 
nine shots against with Alex Nylander on the ice. Look, I'm not blaming Nylander. The whole team was bad, and with young players, there's going to be nights like this. There's no doubt about it. This was so bad. This game was so bad. Look, the Nashville game, they were just outclassed. They were horrible in that game. Don't get me wrong. They were horrible. But at least you can look at the Predators and say, that's a damn good team. That's one of the better teams in the NHL. And as we're learning, the Hawks might be one of the worst teams in the NHL. So you can say, well, you know, that's just outclassed. No. The Sharks, the Ducks, and the Kings are not expected to do anything this year. And all three of them, again, despite taking three out of those four points against the Kings and Ducks, the Hawks were dominated for most of those games. So it's it's really, I don't know. I, I really don't know what more there is to say. We can do this every game. But if changes aren't made, look, there, there's got to be some sort of shakeup by next week. I mentioned their upcoming schedule on yesterday's podcast. Thursday, they play Vancouver. The Canucks are 9-3-3. Three, and three. Then they play the Penguins. The Penguins are 8-6-1. Then it's the Maple Leafs, 8-5-3. Then it's Vegas, 9-5-2. Then it's Nashville, 9-4-2. Then it's Buffalo, 9-4-2. Then it's Carolina, 9-5-1. Then it's Tampa, 6-5-2. It's not getting easier. It's not. Then it's two against Dallas. And two against Colorado. And boy, if they lose those four games, or three of those four games, you can pretty much put a nail in the season. So they've got to figure it out and figure it out quick. I don't know how they're going to do it. I would say compete harder, skate harder, win board battles. But they shouldn't have to be told that. And when you're a team with less skill, which I don't really believe the Blackhawks are, to be honest with you, but fine. We'll just pretend that that's the case. You've got to outwork your opponent. They're doing neither. I said off the hop of the show, they're dumping and chasing without the chase. If they're not fast enough to get to the puck, they've got to be physical and win the puck. They're doing neither of those things. And as a result, they're towards the bottom of the NHL They're towards the bottom of the Western Conference with a hellish schedule coming up. Right now, the Blackhawks are 4-7-3. The only teams below them in the standings are Minnesota, San Jose, and L.A. And two of those three teams just dominated them over the last four days. Feeling great. Feeling really great about the way this thing's headed. Really great that my livelihood depends on the Blackhawks being interesting. Ugh. It's going to get better. It has to get better. It can't get worse. I don't know. I hope that's true. Anyway, regardless, thanks for sticking with Locked on Blackhawks. I really appreciate it. The growth has been incredible. I think you guys have been fulfilling my request and telling friends and telling neighbors and telling hockey fans about the podcast because every episode, the numbers go up, 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 up. And I know sometimes a team that's not doing well can be uh, a little more interesting and, and can get the ire of the fans up a little more but man 
I hope they can be competitive. I hope they can at least make the season interesting. Uh, if not, it's going to be a long, long year of a lot of sad post-game shows. Thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Blackhawks, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Jay Zawoski. Thanks again for listening.